Welcome to What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast that puts members on the microphone with thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. Hi, this is Tim Venable of Cornet's Global. Joining me today is Russell Collette, Vice President of Security Solutions for ESFM, a self-performing integrated facilities management services provider. Russ has more than three decades of security experience, including 25 years with the United States Secret Service as a special agent. He serves on the Illinois Security Professional Association's Board of Directors, is an active member of As Is International and the United States Secret Service Association, and has twice been named to Security Magazine's Security 500 rankings. Russ is here to discuss why security is the front line of hospitality. So a great topic for our listeners today. Russ, you were a special agent with the Secret Service. I'd definitely be remiss if I didn't start our conversation today by asking, wow, what was that like? I'm sure our listeners would enjoy a snapshot of that world. Tim, first and foremost, thank you so much for that kind introduction and uh, really uh, the opportunity to uh, participate in a, a podcast with you. really want to thank the Cornet members and the podcast listeners. Yeah, I'll say, you know, I was blessed. I really was. It was an honor and a privilege to serve in the United States Secret Service for 25 years. I had the privilege of serving personally on two presidential details. Both uh, President Clinton, I spent five and a half years, and President Bush, I spent three years. Uh, actually, post 9-11, I went back to President Bush's detail, and I rounded out my career on uh, actually in the Chicago field office as the assistant agent in charge. And as uh, many of you remember, uh, Senator Obama then was running for president and back in 2008 and won in 2009. So a lot of that fell to us in the, uh, in the uh, Chicago field office. But what was really unique about working in the Secret Service and, uh, you know, a few things I'd like to share with your listeners just in terms of what I learned uh, during my time there that I've taken with me throughout my career. You know, first and foremost, this, the, the service is known for building a culture of pre prevention. You know, thinking back when the, when the Secret Service started, two thirds of the nation's currency was counterfeit. Uh, and now, you know, our, our, our money is the most recognizable in the world. Uh, actually, it's interesting because most people know the Secret Service for protection. Actually, the day that President Lincoln signed the law creating the Secret Service for counterfeiting, uh, he went up to Ford's Theater and was assassinated. It wasn't until the assassination of three presidents where Secret Service was responsible for protection. So the culture of prevention is so important. Uh, the other thing is managing to, to the threat. And, and how is that done? And you hear that term more so now today than ever before, but it has a lot to do with relationships, partnerships, intelligence, and the ability to assess risk and mitigate risk. And so there's a lot of proactive planning and creative planning that goes into that, but it's really, it's a balance of people and technology. Third thing is the layered type approach. It's really important. When I say layered, uh, it's always important to think in terms of concentric circles an outer ring to security, a middle ring to security, and an inner ring of security. And that's within a building, or excuse me, outside of a building. So you're thinking fencing or perimeters or a gate all the way to the front door. And then once you get inside the building, what does that look like? Having gates and entrances, alarms and cameras around doors, that's all part of that perimeter security. And then last but not least from, you know, takeaways from the Secret Service is the counterpart system. And, you know, I think it's really important to, uh, Mentioned in terms of what's happening today, nothing is done by any one person. Everything is a collaborative uh, effort uh, and takes a lot of stakeholders. And I'm sure for your listeners, uh, 
they're probably asking themselves a question or, you know, what's it like to, to have a presidential visit or any protectee of the Secret Service take place? But many have already have. And first and foremost, let me thank them on behalf of my time in the service. But really an important takeaway just in terms of, you know, working together. You know, I'm thinking in terms of when we go, uh, when the service went into a visit uh, to a site, how important it was to develop those relationships with the facility manager, the director of security, the engineering staff. And so we want to, you know, just wanted to hit on those four items to talk about how important it is because there's a lot of people doing a lot of work and a lot of dedication uh, that's going into this. So, yeah, when I look back at my Secret Service career, I worked with a lot of great people. Everyone was de dedicated and mission oriented. You know, I have to say, Tim, I, I never flew on an airplane until I went on that job. It brought me to uh, 50 states and 40 countries. And and so in addition to introducing my parents to presidents and, and bringing my wife and kids into the old office, so it was a pretty good run. Fantastic. So you did some tremendously important work and you saw the world while doing it. Yeah. Yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, it was a blessing. It really was. Fantastic. Now, Russ, I understand you've done a number of things since you left the service. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? For sure. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, one of the things that uh, when I retired from the service, I had an opportunity. I was chief operating officer for a global security company. We were licensed in all 50 states, did business in about 48, uh, but about 450 properties, about 100 clients and 4,500 officers. But the real unique thing here for the audience is the primary work that we did was in commercial real estate, property management, uh, real estate investment trusts, some of the you know, major shopping malls and shopping centers in the country. And it was really an interesting opportunity for me to really take you know, my first step into uh, the public sector uh, and then learn more about hospitality. Uh, I'd like to say I learned hospitality from my parents, from my mom especially, uh, from the Secret Service. But at the same time, we put a lot of effort into building a bespoke, uh, white glove type of Rich Carlton type security program, I think historically, where the security team was engaged. It was all about the customer experience. Really important to you know, train the officers to listen to hear, listen to understand, not necessarily just listen to respond. And so we would hire for customer experience backgrounds and then train for security. So that, I had an opportunity to do that for several years. And my, uh, I also uh, was the head of security and then VP of operations at the Art Institute of Chicago, uh, which is one of the major museums downtown on Michigan Avenue. And that, that really gave me the opportunity to uh, work on the opposite side of the table. You know, first I was a seller of security. And then now in the position at the uh, museum, I was a buyer of security. And in that position, we ran a hybrid program, which was kind of unique. We had our own security team. At the same time, we contracted security out. So the unique thing about a, about a museum these days, I mean, you know, most people, everyone knows them for the art and the collection. And boy, they had a big one, about 300,000 pieces in, uh, in total, 300,000 pieces and only about 7,000 on display. But museums are also event spaces. So there was 12, 1300 events that were taking place every year. They were doing 20 or 30 exhibitions, about 1.5 visit, million visitors visited each year. So really just training in regards to that culture and making sure the security team not only knew about the art, but knew about the business and what we were trying to accomplish. And it really had a lot to do with, you know, visitor engagement and creating that, that warm environment. So 
it's been a great opportunity for me to have not only worked in government, to work both on, on both sides of the table in security uh, and really understand what the expectations of our clients are and, you know, to set that high bar or raise that high bar. But, uh, hey, enough about me. Let's uh, let's jump into some questions. <laughs> okay. Now, Russ, today you lead security solutions for several corporate real estate clients. While it's a completely different environment, are there any principles or best practices, if you will, that you found still apply? Yeah, for sure. You know, first and foremost, I may have mentioned it earlier, but uh, that value of relationships is so important. And and what does that and what does that look like? We uh, really just want you know want to make sure that those relationships not only are taking place within uh, the building, but outside but outside of the building and those partnerships. And so we spend a lot of time on developing relationships with the police with the fire department, with emergency management and responders. And, and that's at every level, you know, police, not just local, but the state and obviously uh, federal uh, agencies. And then, you know, just making sure, hey, who, who, who are you going to call in the event that you have that emergency, have an emergency? Another, another thing that uh, we do that's really important is to take that to the next level and invite the police and fire inside your buildings you know, during and after hours so that they're familiar with the layout of the building in that worst case scenario where they need to respond, right? And so they're they're, they're ready. One, uh, one of the things I love about working for Compass is Compass is a safety first company. And so security and safety go hand in hand. So there's a lot that uh, that can be done in terms of relationships uh, from that scale. But it's really, you know, as you, as you, and as you go in a bank these days, you ever notice that there's always a, a person there greeting you when you enter? And that's really something. It's like security. It's an omnipresence. People, the majority of people going in a bank are going there for good deeds, right? But they need, you know, they need help. So, you know, somebody's somebody's meeting them on arrival and they're looking them face to face. At the same time, it can bid bad people away. So those types of things are really important uh, in terms of, uh, you know, some best practices. Emergency operation planning is really more uh, uh, most important these days, just being prepared, right? And, and making sure the EOP plans are more than a book on a shelf. Making sure you're planning for any hazard that could happen at your site. What could happen? You know, fire, flood, evacuation, power outage, medical emergency, suspicious people, all that, all, all those things can happen. So it's, it's really important that there's a not only a plan in place, but there's, you know, people are, are training uh, on, on it and ready to respond. And I, one of the really biggest things, you know, and it's relatively simple, and I'm hearing more and more about it happening in our sites, is daily huddles between everybody that's, you know, operationally working, whether it's for the day or for an event, coming together and, you know, just going around in terms of, hey, you know, what's happening today? Who's responsible for what? What's the plan? And what would we do if? And I think that what, what are we going to do if is really important because we have to ask ourselves, who is the first responder? And Security is everyone's responsibility. So uh, just kind of we all work together to do that. Okay. Great insights there. Now, you touched a moment ago on the importance of relationships to security operations. That That's fascinating. Would you, would you mind elaborating on that a little more? Yeah, you know, as an example, just making sure, you know, the, the most successful programs that I've seen is where there is a culture of trust in place where the security team knows everyone and everyone knows the security team. Uh, we have a saying in emergency management is uh, during an emergency is not the time to be exchanging business cards. 
But it's really just, you know, we're seeing, you know, unfortunately an uptick in crime and incidents. And, you know, as an example, one of our clients in a major uh, U.S. city uh, saw uh, some issues they were having in their cafe that we run uh, with uh, pickpocketing. And so what we were able to do was make a connection with the city's community policing department, bring in the local district. Uh, matter of fact, the commander visited. And, and as a result, that relationship uh, is so important, but it went to the next level where we, you know, just by having that conversation, developed uh, an, an increased uh, sight of seeing, we, we saw an increased uh, foot patrols. Uh, more vehicle patrols. As a matter of fact, the commander was kind enough to do in major cities, they're doing these coffee with com with the commander. So they make themselves available to talk to the staff. And I think that's a great, you know, best practice and easy one. Uh, you mentioned that I'm a member of uh, As Is International, and I had an opportunity to go to their global security exchange conference, their GSX conference. Uh, in Dallas, and and the, uh, the one of the main speakers was Mark Cuban, and, and Mark spoke about you know he owns the Dallas Mavericks, and but the mm -hmm. stadium that they play in, and this, he really had an appreciation and respect of security, and he really talked about in today's society the importance of increasing your perimeter, and so he said, hey, it's not just what's going to happen inside of my inside, excuse me, inside of the stadium, but also you know, in the parking lot, but what could be, what could happen at the bars and restaurants and the buildings that uh, surround the stadium? And so he really put a lot of emphasis on his security team, building relationships with everybody, not just those internal stakeholders, but, you know, everybody that I mentioned, you know, nowadays, pretty much every major building has a head of security, uh, restaurants and bars have somebody that's responsible. So making sure that that, you know, interaction has taken place was so important. And so it goes back to that layered approach that I talked about and how important that is to uh, everybody working together to stop the threat uh, before it reaches their door and can't put enough, enough emphasis on intelligence and awareness and, and sharing of information. And, and that just uh, is a group effort and just takes, uh, takes a lot of people. But uh, I'm seeing it happening in a lot of our client sites and with a lot of organizations. And uh, so best practice, definitely something to, something to think about. Okay. Yeah, that makes perfect sense to think about it that way. It really does. One of the prevalent challenges for us in, in corporate real estate, as you know, remains getting people to come back to the office, to return to buildings, come into the office again. So I'd be curious to get your thoughts on, on how does security tie into that and how can security solutions help make the workplace experience, which we hear so much about these days, more attractive for occupants? Yeah, great question. And, you know, one, you know, when you think from a business standpoint, how it is important to get everybody together, right, in a group, right, you know, that creativity that takes place, that ideation, that growth and that execution and security plays such a big role. And the, how do they do that? And this is really one of my favorite uh, uh, subjects because I really have a lot of a tremendous respect and appreciation for what the frontline folks, uh, especially security, are, are doing these days. And, and you know, we do, I don't think we do enough to recognize them. So it's always good to take a step back and do that. But uh, you know, studies have shown, right, when people feel safe, they're more productive at work. And so how can security do that? And I think that's, you know, goes back to that bank analogy that I made by being that omnipresent figure, right? To reassure and, and to warn, right? Standing tall and engaging, right? Makes people feel more comfortably. And doing so in that, you know, hospital manner is so important. 
you know, I think in terms of, you know, when I go to work, when I drive through the parking lot, just seeing someone out there, maybe, you know, on a vehicle patrol or on a footbeat or just somebody out at the front entrance uh, reassures me that uh, security is being taken seriously. At the same time, the, the, the where I'm working or the place I'm going to is safe. And so that calm, reassuring presence uh, just provides that sense of security. So, yeah, I think those are some great takeaways just in think, you know, that I've seen and some best practices and uh, that I've seen that really help make a difference to getting people to return to work. Sure. It sounds to me like you're saying a part of security involves engaging occupants, the the people you're protecting in the process. How does this help with the overall culture or feeling of security? Yeah, that's most important. And, uh, you know, if I may be honest, I mean, let's think in terms of everyone every, every day, right, has a bad day. Everyone has a concern or an issue. And and so it's really important going back to what we talked about and developing those relationships. But people need help. And so how do you build that culture of pre prevention and how do you engage people from a security standpoint? And some of the creative things that I've seen, it, it may be as simple as, you know, once a month having the security team have a table out in the entrance, you know, with a sign that says, hey, meet the security team or, you know, be uh, brief. This, uh, what, what does the security team do? Or there's something, some type of information, a flyer that they want to want to pass out and share. But that gives that the building occupants the opportunity to interact with security. Uh, I'm, I've also seen some good programs where folks and 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 I really enjoy do that doing this because it's all about the marketing, right? So they're they're partnering with the marketing department, uh, using like the large video screens that you see at entrances to uh, uh, for security awareness. Uh, there's also newsletters that can you know information that can be shared that's really making a difference. It goes to leadership, and I, and I say that you know at every level, you know, starting at the top, right? The department heads are so important, and you know, and they're ability to brief their department and their folks and their people in terms of, you know, what the security team does. But I've also seen department heads invite the security leaders into department meetings to interact and meet the, meet the teams. Uh, it goes really important. Here's where it's really making a difference. And you're seeing a lot of organizations do this where they build uh, tar targeted violence groups. And this is when someone has an issue or a problem, they're bringing it to somebody's attention and or if somebody hears about it, the information is being shared with the right folks. So you're seeing human resources and, and, uh, security and department heads and, and legal. And sometimes, you know, when it's necessary, an outside entity, police department or whatever, to make sure that they're coordinating on a potential threat that could be happening at your building. And so that's uh, just a couple of things that are really helping to engage occupants, uh, you know, at that highest level. But I really say it comes down to training, Tim, and, and it, Empathy training. I mean, who's doing that these days, right? That's something that's really important. We we hear a lot in regards to de-escalation, which is really important now, so more, more so than ever. But being able to to lead and communicate with empathy and from the heart is so important. Uh, to and, and positive communication uh, and positive response. I, I always talk to the team about, hey, let's make sure we're listening to hear and not listening to respond. So a lot of security uh, the programs are doing, doing making a big difference in uh, enhancing the guest and, and, and customer or employee experience. Sure. Okay. Based on our conversation today, it, it sounds like the human touch is still very important. However, uh, there are instances today where it seems 
technology is replacing human labor. Are, are you noticing any trends when it comes to people versus technology in this space? Yeah, great question. And thank you. you know, the way you ended that was perfect. People versus technology. But I, I, you know, I would also say people plus technology. Some of the best programs that I've seen is where folks are training their security officers to the highest level, paying them well, uh, and there may be less of them. But at the same time, using technology that works, and and I think that's really important first and foremost to, to recognize. I I always uh, make sure that I caution or counsel so make sure the security technology uh, that you have in place is working because we really want to set the security team and security officers up to succeed. You think about the systems and technologies that are out there that can really help make a difference, right? Access control, surveillance, intrusion, video management system, right? Nowadays. Uh, you, you can tell where people are. Uh, and, and, and so where folks are, and companies and organizations are taking it to the next level is through integration. Uh, the term API, and that's what allows technologies to interact, right, or in, 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 and integrate. Uh, more and more technology solution providers are opening up so that their solutions are API friendly, which makes a difference. So we're not running on a dis, uh, disparate type system. The other thing, you know, from a creative idea, and I've seen it, you know, where security and facilities come hand in hand and, you know, building automation or building management systems and how that can help security at the same time, how security technology can help facilities. So there's a lot of really creative things being done in technology. Uh, it's amazing how things are faster. Uh, things are in the cloud. Uh, security technology is on the edge, right? Everybody wants things on their phone. I talked a little bit about visitor management system. You see some organizations, some buildings using a phone enabled or a, a, a smartphone enabled technology that allows them to uh, uh, be notified in regards to the visit, utilize that uh, for any pre-screening that's required at the same time, uh, get clear in through their uh, uh, access control. So it's that type of technology that's really making a difference you know, I think in terms, and you hear a lot about robots and, and AI, and you know, I'm thinking about some of our clients in oil and gas and how they've been using, you know, robots, especially, uh, and drones for that matter, for years out along the pipelines. And, you know, these systems have sensors in place, they have cameras in place. So, you know, now they're being used along the fence lines and that's really making, making a difference. AI technology has a, has a way to go. Uh, it, it really does, but at the same time, you know, it is it isn't the future. It is the present. And so you're seeing security companies and all and solution providers. All this technology that they have has a lot of data, and so who is really taking that data and being able to aggregate it and analyze it and tell a story. And, and that's really important these days because security teams have to be seen as business drivers. Uh, one of the things we put a lot of emphasis on is that we're looking for business people with an expertise in security. Heck, I'll take it to another level. We're, we're looking for business people with an expertise in enterprise risk management. So, I think that's really important. And, and, and probably last but not least, I'd have to say just how technologies can be used to keep security officers safe. Going back to my original point, there's not, you know, the labor pool is kind of tough at the same time. Our clients, we're looking for, you know, ways to, to improve their programs. When can less be more? But at the same time, if we can use technology to see way out, in front, way out ahead, right? So Because distance is our friend. Right. We want to keep distance from that threat. So if that security officer, you know, in the operations center 
can look out in the parking lot and see a vehicle that maybe shouldn't be there or see a person that's looking for help. Yeah, you know, now there's video and camera technology that's smarter. It's autonomous. It's able to, you know, it's plug and play too, which is kind of nice, but it's able to engage the, that person with a welcoming message or the recorded message or go live with audio, which is kind of unique in the sense of how creative we can be uh, with uh, with security and with technology. But it's really yeah, people plus technology uh, that really is going to make the difference. Wow. Great points there. Russ, this has been a, a great conversation. Before we wrap, I'd like to ask one more question. You've done many things over the course of your career. Fascinating. And it's led to you working in corporate real estate and integrated facilities management. So my question is this one. What do you like most about working in, in this world? Oh, okay. <laughs> we think about that one for a minute. No, you know, <laughs> it, it's, <laughs> it's been a wonderful experience. Uh, you know, I talked about my background in the Secret Service, you know, working uh, for a, a security company and then uh, working uh, for a major museum. I wouldn't be where I am here today if I didn't have those opportunities, you know, in that path. Uh, an old boss of mine taught me something years ago that really resonated with me that I, that, that I live by in this world. And it's, it's, this is a serious job for serious people, right? <laughs> I say it'd be crowded if everybody could do it. Uh, at the same time, you know, making sure that, uh, you know, we're all working together and not any one person can do that. I couldn't be in a better place personally. I, I, I'm really, uh, I started, I joined Compass ESFM about three and a half, three years ago. And I think back to a conversation I had with David Hogland, uh, president of v, our president of ESFM and, and the vision that he had in terms of making ESFM a full-scale IFM company, uh, and, and that included security. And, and it's really been just a wonderful part uh, to, to, to be a part of it. It really has. Uh, we self-perform about 80% of our work. We don't self-perform security. We partner with uh, security providers. And so we work really, really well with them. So, you know, in terms of having that experience to do that and, you know, work with some of the best and the brightest and coming up with creative ideas that really make a difference uh, to our clients has been fun. I, I really got to go back to, you know, I've said, said it a couple of times, people uh, got some working with some great people. Heck, you can you know see the awards that we've received, but just the creativity, our operators in the field, it's, it, it's a hard job. And, and, and I have truly a tremendous respect for all of them. And I work as part of our centers of excellence. So it allows me to support all, all of our operators and our company and all things security. And it's just been a wonderful ride. It really has. But uh yeah, that's uh, that's really just in terms of, you know, I have a hard time answering that question because I never make it about me personally. And uh, it's really just been about uh, about the people and 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 working together and and uh, trying to make a difference each and every day. Tim, you, you got me on that one. But yeah, thank you. <laughs> Fantastic. And a very good answer. Russ, it's been great talking with you today. It really has. So uh, on behalf of all our listeners and everyone at Cornet Global, I'd like to say thanks again very much for sharing all these helpful insights uh, with Cornet Global. Thank you, Tim. And thanks to your members and listeners. Really appreciate the opportunity. This concludes this episode of What's Next. Want to record a podcast of your own? Have an idea or point of view you'd like to share? Visit cornetglobal.org to learn more.